You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there in the wide world, thank you so much for lending me your ears. This week, I had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Jared Black. Now, Jared Black is a, well, he's a husband, he's a father, um, he is a, a, a really good dude, he's an artist. Um, and it hasn't been a straight shot for Jared, you know, Um He's, he, you know, I, I just love talking to people and finding out they're part of their journey. You know, life is a journey for all of us. We're all on different uh, ebbs and flows at different points in time. And um, sometimes we're doing fucking shit we don't want to be doing. And sometimes we get to follow our heart and, uh, and, and, and be doing things that we want to be doing for us. And not everybody is, is as fortunate as that. It takes a brave soul to go out there on a limb. And, and Jared is one of those brave souls, you know, and... Um, and and some degree he kind of like f- fell into it, not really, but through an, an accident. You know, it was sort of like I would say written in the stars that he was pushed away from a nine to five and into the creative realm, and that will be um, more will be revealed in our conversation. <laughs> anyway. Jared, if you are out there, thank you so much for coming and having a yak. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, Jared's artwork is is highly regarded. You know, he's in the Geelong Art Centre. He's his artwork is on the Newcastle Knights jersey. He's had art in the Australian Open. You know, this is a big deal. He's done uh, artwork for Ruddo, Xavier Rudd, the musician. Um, you know, he's, he's, he he really has he gone far and wide with his artwork. And, and listening to his journey within that was awesome. Uh, and I was freaking out. Like the day that um, Jared was, was supposed to come over, uh, a, a digger, you know, like an excavator showed up in my next door neighbor's backyard. And they decided to rip up all the plumbing around the block, and I was like, "This is this is not good for cricket." And um, anyway, look, it all worked out for the best, and where we ended up was right near where uh, Jared had spent a lot of time as, as a young, and then it meant a lot to him. And uh, it just felt like weirdly, I went from a very stressed environment to to being in an environment that worked out really well. Shout out to Eve at Board Riders. Thank you so much. Um, and and it was just serendipitous that that was where Jared's dad had also worked. And so it all, all sort of fell into line. It's weird how that happens. My neighbor, who didn't have the digger in their backyard, said to me, don't worry, stop stressing, it'll, it'll work out. And I was just like, right. Uh, and it did. Isn't that weird? And it did doesn't always work out but sometimes it does um now what else what else i you know like um the mind wanders uh and i was thinking you know moses moses was a dude in the fables right yeah i i i'm not slandering the bible at all here i you know i'm not i'm just not picking on it but i am saying like moses walked on water moses walked on water 
and Moses built an ark. And I just like, you know, through the, you know, Chinese whispers, things could have got a little bit muddled there. It sounds to me that Moses may have been a surfer, right? Dude walking on water, builds a boat, gets all the animals on. They're all his mates. They're going on a boat trip. They were surfing back then. I, I figured it out. The Bible is based on surfers from back in the day. And, 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 and Moses was really, you know, the 50-year storm. That was why he's building the boat. They were chasing waves. Uh, I was thinking about that. And, um, and I don't know where else to go with that other than that's what I don't, came into my head. Do with that what you will. Um, definitely someone shaking their head out there going, you're going to get struck down there, young laddie. Um, anyway, look, without further ado, I'll, I'll let you have, um, I'll let you experience the conversation that I had with, with Jared Black. Jared, thank you so much for coming over. I really do appreciate it. And for uh, anyone else out there, I, I hope you're well. Okay, you I'll see you on the other side. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. Do you have a specific time when you feel more creative than... No, not at all. Like, it just strikes me sometimes. Like, yesterday when I was getting the car clean, like, I took the iPad with me. Mm. And I just take it everywhere I go. Yeah. And, um, like, I was just sitting there and I saw something and then saw something else and I got this idea, so I started sketching it out. So that'll be an idea if, like, whatever I do down the track. So I just draw. So in the iPad, what program are you? I'm using Adobe program uh, Fresco. Yeah. Um, so I was using Procreate for ages, and I think everyone kind of uses that. And that was more when I was tattooing. So a lot of tattooers use it, and you kind of use that to do all your pre-drawings. And do you use like a, a, a special pen? Yeah, you got yeah. your pen and the tablet, so it's just drawing on the iPad. Yeah. Um, but then as Can, I... Sorry to cut you off. Can you shade and stuff? Yeah, you do all yeah. that. Yeah, you shade, get all textures and all different stuff like that and different type of brushes and you can make your own brushes too. It's a modern sketchbook. Yeah, you can be super creative. And like we were in the studio and I was wasting or we wasted heaps of paper and it was just like we had this huge paper bin. It was just like drawing after drawing, sketches, like tracing and like putting stuff together. And then when I got that, I'm like... I'm not using a single piece of paper. I'm not wasting anything. I can do as many layers as I want and, like, sketches and then just print it out and then do the the final um, stencil. So in my head it made sense to, like, be more economical and, like, save paper and not waste stuff as well. So, yeah, it just made sense, which is really cool, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. You can have your iPad... Yeah. You can watch Netflix yeah. or feel inspired and create something. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, just pick it up, grab it, all right, I need to get this down, and then just sketch it out. Or, like, there's a multitude of, like, other programs that go with it. So, say if I'm out and I see something I love or colours or whatever, like, because I'll look at a plant and see a certain colour or a certain flower or something like that, and I'm like, I need that now. So I get the iPad and I can, it's Adobe Capture, it's called. Mm. So I point that at what I want to capture and it gives me the color codes for it. So I can Stop. capture the color exactly. codes. Yeah. Yep. So I can capture those color codes and then put that into my drawing and it's super cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I like taking advantage of technology and learning yeah. it. So I did, I cheated. I looked at your Wikipedia and it said Adobe. Uh, 
Ambassador. Ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> I was like, I, I put it as a little side note. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I want to ask what an Adobe ambassador. Well, it's, I think it was, they noticed what I was doing with digital art yeah. and I was using their programs anyway. Yeah. And then they noticed it in Indigenous space too. So they like, would love to, a couple of people they reached out to um, with Naramelli and Moran and stuff like that. And then they called me and said, would you want to be a part of being an ambassador? I'm like, hell yeah. Damn straight. Like, I use the stuff anyway, so yeah. it's just another level of, um, I guess, I've got access now to the guys who sort of manage those different programs, so like Photoshop or Illustrator or things like that. And if I've got a direct question, I can ask the guy who manages it for Australia. And they go, all right, yeah, this is the answer and this is how you do that or this is how you do something better. And are you self-taught in the Adobe space? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's weird too. I use yeah. it a lot, and yeah. Yeah. I'm such a rookie. Yeah. Yet I use it professionally, Is and it? I don't know. I'm like, yeah. I want to know more, but I don't know. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, YouTube's is so. Yeah, I think the depth of it, like how much you can learn and know, it's crazy. But there's a beauty to not knowing stuff like or mechanic. not being, yeah, not being trained. <laughs> yeah. Because I've noticed like graphic designers and stuff won't do things the way that I do because I I find a workaround because I just don't know how to do it. So I just do stuff and they're like, "Oh, what have you done there?" And I'm like, "I don't know, I just yeah. made it work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, because I'll I Frankenstein it. Yeah, literally, I <laughs> yeah. just like mashed all this and this layer and like do all it and they're like whoa like there's a lot going on there and i hand it over and they're like okay we've got to pull this apart now so, so you you're coming at it just using it as a creative tool and they're looking at it more of an engineering side of so there's a there's a process that goes with it 100 yeah. percent. so I'm, i've had to upskill myself pretty quick to learn that process like what they need on their end yeah. so i can better do my drawings yeah in it in the digital world anyway so like i'll do gonna jump forward all right i was yeah, going yeah. I was, I, this is what here so let's just go with the piece that you did for the geelong art gallery was yeah. It? yeah yeah that was center. gigantic yeah yep and it had such beautiful colors yeah. and layering texture yep in my mind i was just looking at it going how do you you know, do you even start to facilitate the, the even the, the depth part of that and yeah. then come yep. into building it? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm drawing, that's how I see my actual drawings, like visualise them. Yeah. So I don't see them as a two-dimensional image. I see them as a three-dimensional space. So say I'm drawing a picture that is looking down from above. In my mind, I'm in the sky looking down on top of the land. Mm. And the depth of the land in that landscape that I'm painting. Mm-hmm. So you've got the water, and then you've got the land, and then you've got the sky and the wind, and they're all encompassed in that one artwork. So mountains same, coming up, yeah, mountains coming up, and landscapes like that. So that's how I visualise it and see it as if like, because one my or my creator spirit from where I'm from, like the Warramai country, is um, Gulumbara and um, or. Bayami, so they kind of use the two names, but um, he was said to sit up in the sky after the land was created and he watched over the land and watched over his creation and watched the animals and all of that interact. So I kind of put myself in his perspective and try to look down from above 
looking in his eyes and what he would have seen mm. and try to paint that. Mm. So it's pretty cool, yeah. But that's with the eel, same thing. Like I tried to capture the layer where it's sitting in the water and the ripples on the water and the colours bouncing off the water and the sky and all of that interacting and the wind even creating the ripples. So the wind's still there because it, it makes the ripples happen. So, yeah, I'm trying to capture everything, like, as much as I can. I, I, I love I love, I love, love what you're saying, and it's also, like, um, well, that's the truth to storytelling and, and, and all of it is, is as long as you, you're embodied looking out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that's, like, in lots of different disciplines. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people get stuck going the other way almost, like, what, you know, I don't know, you know, there's, like... Um, express rather than impress or, yeah yeah i'm i'm trying to be super impartial so like i literally check myself at the door so like i'll go out on country and just be intuitive to what's around me or what's happening and just like you completely let go blank your mind you're just in the moment being there and whatever comes and shows you or represents itself whether it's the wind whether it is rain whether it is a rainbow whether it's a tree that you walk past or an animal that turns up, yeah, you just read it and that's what comes to you. So that's what has to be in the artwork or has to be a part of it. And that's how I kind of um, like do all of my art. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, man. Like I like the cut of your jib because it's so connected. Yeah. And, um, and, and in communication and... Uh, with nature yeah you know and i just feel like we are losing that you know like i struggle to i don't like walking very much but i talked to graham stockton the other day and he was saying that sometimes he just goes for a walk to notice yeah and i was just just be a bit blown away by yeah so i'm trying my best now to leave my phone if i'm walking the dog to be more either with the dog or just notice what what is just be present yeah yeah and just because you'll see so much that you just wouldn't realise what was there. And my oh, my son being born was such a huge part of that process of re-experiencing um, that because I started seeing things through his eyes and he would slow down a lot and walk slower and but then he would see smaller things that I didn't yeah, yeah. and stop and then I would look into it more and go, wow. like New eyes. Yeah, and see the patterns that he was seeing and the colours and I'm like, that's amazing. So I slowed down again remembering like my roots and where I come from and being a kid as well and seeing the eyes through that yeah. or like the world through that eye. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like my arts sort of paid more and more for it, I think. Uh, how old is your, your little tacker? He's five now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just gone to primary school. So. What a journey. Yeah, started prep. So we got there. It's a start. And we got a 17-year-old in year 12. So <laughs> two. Yeah, yeah. One starting, one finishing, which is um, pretty crazy. I, I, I'm going to come back here. Can I um, go back to, can you say it? Warramai. Warramai country. Yeah, Warramai country, yep. Now, yep. I... I'm I'm curious. I just excuse my. Just let me go with this for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you know what? Fucking white man's been stomping around here for two hundred years. <laughs> yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And 
indigenous culture goes back, I don't know, what, 50 to 100,000 years? Yeah, easy. Say yeah, that? In yeah, between, yeah, yeah, I could even go yep. further, but yep. uh, let's just say that. Um, and, and we've got a lot of stories, like, about our... Uh, like, people say, where are you from? I say, oh, I don't know, a bit of English, a bit of Irish, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and... I'm interested to know the Waramai, or can you say Aboriginal? Is that offensive? No, it's. I think it's ever evolving. I've noticed, like First Nations Aboriginal, like Aboriginal, I guess was the term for the Indigenous inhabitants of that place that most settlers would use, yeah. but like across everywhere. Yeah. So you got Aboriginal Canadians, Aboriginal. Um, like in Japan and places like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's original inhabitants there, and that's all. They just get, I guess, worded as Aboriginal. Yeah. So I think that's where it's evolved to like First Nations Australia, or yeah, like, and then more specifically, we'll say who our mob is and what country we're from. Got it. Like, if we're, we're identifying to each other, like I'll say, I'm Waramai, and like crew here will say, I'm Waterung. And like Kulajan and like wherever you're from and who your mob is. So okay, so that would be like breaking down, you know. And then, but would you say is like, you know, um, would you say, but we're Aboriginal or would you say Indigenous or what? Yeah, is I'd the say First Nations. First Nations. Yeah. So yeah. in general, like whenever I'm referring to our mob or all of us as a collective in Australia, I say First Nations. Okay, yeah. good. I just wanted to get that. Yeah, so yeah. First Nations stories must go back 50 to 100,000 years. Yeah. And when yeah. I was little, the only things that I knew and I was really, really, really interested, like I loved the um, the, the, the serpent, the, the Dreamtime serpent. Yeah. I had a book that had this and I was playing my mind. Yeah. And the bunyips. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and just the dream time. And yeah. I don't know why these things stuck in my mind. And these are just little things. But I'm curious to know, when you're with your mob, do you talk about, like, the deep, deep story of your people that 50 to 100,000 years, yeah. I can't even fucking fathom. It is, and it's a sort of a layered approach of how you um, learn, I guess. So, like... There's the older uncles and um, elders, like my pop's one of the elders back home, and my uncles do a lot of cultural heritage work and they talk to a lot of the older crew as well. And those stories have been passed down through our like our mission back home, so we had Karoo Mission. So a mission's basically where they would collect and gather all the Indigenous from the land, like, say, like Geelong Torquay, and then take them out to a place where they had to reside and they had to be kept out there so back home our mission's still there and it still exists and mobs still live there and but when they brought in things like the mob mine been there well it's kind of become like a place of solace like that's where everyone was shifted to and had to exist and like even survive like so getting rations or getting anything um had to work together within the mesh and that's why missions become so strong and a collective and still exist because that was where everyone was pushed to. Um, and, like, crews still move back out, but the mission is, like, the main hub of, like, where mob are and where they were kind of, like, had to sort of persevere and <laughs> try to thrive. So, but it's still there. And, like, I remember going out to our mission and, like, all the aunties out there and there's not much of the houses, like, like tin on the sides and, like, holes here and there, but when you walk through the door, like, I remember my one of my old aunties like 
she'd just give you everything off her back, like anything out of the fridge, even though she had next to nothing, everything was yours. And that was the same for every house there. So there's a real community and, like, you've got goosebumps yeah, yeah. thinking about it. But, um, yeah, it was a beautiful place to kind of witness and, like, see that part of growing up. Yeah. I was, like, real young and, like, living here in Torquay too. So I had this, like, polar duality of, like, really white, like, Torquay and, like, amazing people and growing up with an amazing crew, but they had no idea that this other world really existed because they weren't exposed to it. So, and then I was seeing that other world as a as a young kid growing up as well and then come back to Torquay and go back to Torquay Primary School yeah. and yeah. everything was hunky-dory and then go back and see all the, the issues and the problems um, back home or on the mission, so... Yeah, it was, it was a funny world growing up in, yeah. Seeing two different polar opposite worlds connect. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. Um, just going back in on that question, I don't know if I articulated it very well. <laughs> but, like, I'm just trying to get a fathom of the sense of depth of what life was like. Yeah, well, that storytelling... Before we showed yeah, up. Yeah, Sorry. so passing on those stories, like... That that's what I was getting at with the mission. So that place became where the stories were still shared, yeah, okay, yeah. and survived, yeah, um, because you were it was against the law to um, have anything to do with culture, so it was outlawed and banned. Are and, you serious? Yeah, so you weren't allowed to speak language. If you got caught, you got in big trouble. Your rations were taken away. Forced to speak English. Yeah, you weren't allowed to talk language anymore. So they tried to get rid of language that way, but. Obviously, like any culture, when they weren't all gone, it still, like, happened. Everyone still talked language and still spoke language around each other in the mission. That's why it became such a safe place to still share stories and continue, like, that connection. So all those stories were passed down through the mission still and um, and saved and preserved. So we've got a book um, of our mob that has captured the language as much as possible through that process of, like, talking to all the elders and the uncles and, and like, saving it and then writing a, a full dictionary and then capturing all the stories as well. So, and my uncles are still doing that today and, like, still going out to sites and then then that's the journey where I'll go back home more and more and learn more, which I've been doing with my uncles and stuff like that. So I'll go back up to Newcastle and go back up on country and my uncle will take me out to a site and go, this is this site and, like, here's some, like, carving stones or here's a stone where we used to sharpen axes and, like, you can see the marks from our ancestors, like, from thousands of years ago. And we've got a huge sand dune system up there where all the old midden sites are and, like, he'll take us out there and go, look, this is where our ancestors used to sit and have gatherings and corroborees and, like, dances and meetings and... You can see, like, the bones and the shells and where they were for thousands of years. Like, I think one of them, they did, like, testing on just, like, a, a depth test and it was, like, over 40,000 years of, um, like, congregating in that one spot, um, just coming together and having gatherings. Like, and you, you fathom that 40-plus thousand years just in one place and continually coming back. So there's a lot of connection and story there. So... And it's not, like, I'm only sort of one generation, like, out of that, like, from my pop as well. 
like out of the tribe being moved to the mission and then moved on. So it still runs through your blood and you can feel it. Yeah. Like you can feel it through your veins and you can through it like flowing through you. Man, I'm, you know, like I, I had to do a job in Seymour on Wednesday and I had breakfast on the Golden. Yeah. And yep. there was no one around. Yeah. And it was just uh, the dog and I and ooh, there was a bit of wind ruffling around and it was just giant gums in the water and I just was sitting there and like you said I just had that goosebumpy moment where I was like having that like knowing the depth of First Nations have been just sitting where I am yeah. for a hundred thousand years and enjoying this same yeah just the trees the wind the water yeah and it made me just like just and then I was a little bit and then I started thinking about the modern world and just like fuck and it's going you know like yeah, I catch myself in those same moments, like, because when I'm sitting like you were there, I'll start to, it, it almost happens in my mind, but I can see it playing out in front of me. Like, I can see, like, the old people and the mob actually moving around and interacting. Um, and I can see them, like, running along the bank or running along the, the water or the river or um, the beach or wherever it may be. And, like, you can pitch, re-picture them in that space. And that's the same when I'm painting, like... I can see the mob running on my paintings and, like, going up the mountain or going along the beach there or going into the water to hunt for fish and things like that. So that actual scene's playing in my head as I'm doing my art. Like, I can actually see it happening. Yeah, and yeah. Like, it's almost like if I, if I was much better at um, animation, that's yeah. what I try to, like, do with my artwork is, like, share the stories in a more complex way so people can connect with it and see what I'm seeing. So I'm trying to, like, learn more and more so I can visualise what I see yeah. um, to everyone so they can experience it, which is, yeah, it's tricky because there's so much there and so much that I actually, like, see when I'm doing an art piece. So from a painting to, like, yeah, seeing more of it in three-dimensional for the Geelong Art Centre, that's me trying to get people to see what I'm seeing. Mm and like visualize it a lot more and like help them connect more and learn to take those moments and just chill and I'm trying to connect with people that way like get them to understand just relax like just chill out just like go to a place and be and just see stuff or just sit under a tree and take a breath <laughs> well you see like man like I say this all the time and I don't know if it's in it's not in jest like I look at the modern world and I look at like Oh, let's just say this. A mate of mine got uh, a fine, you'd know him, in <laughs> Queensland just the other day. Yeah. The person in the passenger seat wasn't wearing a seatbelt, though, in a rush that turned around to do something with the kids. Yeah. It was four points, $1,200. That would fucking kill it's and crazy. crush most people. Yeah, it's crazy. And when you look uh, at the number of suicides in Queensland, New South Wales, it yeah. doubles the amount of people who are, die, are getting killed in car crashes. Yeah. And so with people who are struggling so much financially and then you go and give them four points and $1,200 fine, yeah. that's a showstopper for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And, and sorry, and so I just, I got this modern world and, we, and our mental health and yeah. all this shit and the, these things that help build pressure... And then I go back to First Nations people who I don't 
I wish I knew more about the depth of what everyday life looked like, but I'm pretty sure it was probably day to day. Yeah. We all had different jobs yeah. to facilitate the group. Yeah. And we are living in harmony with nature. Yeah, 100%. And that that's the misconception. Like, there's such a disconnect, eh? Like, this day and age. And that that's what I think First Nation people... Like, that's what we're all striving to bring back. Like, we just want to bring back that connection and, like, harmony with nature and, like, get people to slow down and stop and realise what you're destroying. Like, worrying about, oh, we've got to find people, we've got to do that, we've got to do this, oh, we need another mine, we need this. And, like, just calm down, crew. Like, we need to take a step back and really understand the country, land and connection so that you can all look after it, like... Because if you feel connected to a place and, like, deeply rooted and connected, you want to care for it and look after it as if it's, like, like another part of you, like a, a child. You nurture it and you look after it and it looks after you. That's the whole point. And we've lost that. Well, like, we're not completely. separate. We're part of. Yeah, we're 100% part of it. <laughs> oh, so, like, and th- I think that's, like, people are, I've noticed people are realising it because they're, like, we can't keep doing what we're doing. And then they do look to um, traditional ways and they go, it's such a more connected and wholesome way of living that is non-destructive and you, like, you can exist for a very long time without destruction and we can all be happy and like thrive. But, yeah. I was, um, I was looking at a, a Joe Rogan thing uh, last night or this yeah. morning, you know, <laughs> like deep in the YouTube in world. Hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said something quite profound. He was like, evil exists and we don't want it to think that it does. Yeah. But at the moment it's showing in a um, like a corporate yeah. way that it's dictating to government. Yeah. Not vice versa. Government's not dictating to corporations. Corporations are dictating government. Yeah. Yeah. And and with that corporate greed and wanting to control and like you've got drug companies suing governments because they're yeah. screwing up revenue. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's controlling who? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I go, well, you go. We're waking up. There's certain people who are feeling that connection, yeah. wanting to go back to a slower way. But really, the like the you know, the the overbearing factor at the moment is that corporate yeah. push for total like. What fucking drives me crazy is this: like we've got to raise the population, keep yeah. going, keep going. Yeah. It's like, well, where's to what to what end? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. To I become don't... a digital concrete jungle? Yeah. No. Yeah, I know. When you start to see AI play into it, like I had the conversation with someone the other day about all of that, and I'm like, because it draws you in so much, because like that way of expressing. I guess art and culture in another form and that's played into like oh how could I utilize that to to tell more story or to get people to connect but then it's got the other side of it where is it taking away from like the roots of what I want people to do is actually go out in nature and see it firsthand um, and get them away from that as well so there's like this in between where I'm like trying to use technology to draw people in to get them to connect but I don't want to go down that road too much because it does disconnect from it. So, like, I try to do my actual paintings then, like, incorporate ochre into it and things like that yeah. so people can have something they can actually see, touch, feel 
and like I guess get a bit of that energy that I put into it and part onto them yeah and make them want to go out but yeah it's a scary corporate world but I'm trying to I, I've done a lot of corporate stuff that's the tricky part but I, I look I, I know I, I get it but I'm doing it for that reason to try to change the mindsets of people that I interact with so I'm doing it with the intent of if I can talk to a CEO or if I can talk to like the core group of that organizational company and get them to see that connection side a little bit and make them rethink maybe how the earth works. And I do see some of them go, oh, shit, what are we doing? Like building companies and how can I help or what can I do to give back or help more? And they're just small wins for me, but like just changing one person that might affect another, mm. you just don't know who is no, going to... totally. Conversations. It, exactly. And it might end up being as a domino effect and this person talks to that person and then this huge change happens and you just don't know so i try to put myself into that space to hopefully create change yeah no yeah yeah, totally yeah and i think you're doing a wonderful job at it yeah um from from what i can tell it's tricky yeah yeah but it's a tricky tricky, (laughs) tricky world and i like someone was saying you just say i'm just a man on a mission yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just good. I just love it. I'm passionate about it, and like I just want like having a five year old, and then having dad pass. I'm like, what am I going to do, or like how am I going to make a change or do stuff? Or like we were talking about before, seeing so many inspirational people around you, that's inspiring too. You're like, shit. I just saw Walshy paddle across to tassie yeah, yeah, yeah. like what can i do yeah, like yeah, what yeah. a legend yeah, and then totally. you're like that's sick or you just see what humi does with the community and all the other kids yeah and you're like and same with karina and all the work she does you're like it's inspirational and amazing and you want to be a part of it yeah. and see what change you can make too and and try to just do better so yeah. the creative through line here when how how was how was school for you yeah, it was interesting because art wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> it was like frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did art. I I wasn't. I did ceramics. Yeah, <laughs> of all things, because I just like creating stuff. And they were like, "Oh, maybe you should be a chippy or something. Like, get outside and work with your hands because you're um, no good at math and all that or English." So that's what I did. I became a chippy. So I got an apprenticeship here, and luckily it was with an architectural builder so it was more artistic and creative uh-huh. and i loved it and then did loved... you finish your apprenticeship i did yeah oh you're yeah. you're a carpenter so i'm a qualified to be yeah such yeah. a great thing to have under your oh it's just a fallback yeah well even just for tinkering around at home I yeah think. Well, I, I renovated our whole house like we bought a place and i gutted it and redid the whole lot and yeah did it all myself so saved us a heap and, that's sick yeah and and it's like those old school days like oh my granddad built that place or he had a part of it and that's what my son can say which is pretty cool yeah, yeah. it's very cool yeah so i did that and then um got into copper and zinc roofing which is more artistic again so roofing yeah copper so, and zinc roofing yeah it was like um working for a german company so a german company had a um has companies here in australia huh. But they um, do a lot of restoration work on, like, uh, Queen Victoria building and, like, places that they have copper um, rain heads and goblets. And they actually create, like, beautiful copper art and, like, then install them into, like, um, buildings and stuff like that. So I was watching these, like, 
And it was only, they were talking about how old the trade was, and they're like, oh, it's like 500 years old. And I'm like, and they were, re- and I, like, it gave them credit for it. It's incredible and beautiful, but I'm like, well, my culture's a little bit older, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was art. It was like art through copper. Like, they were making roses, and it was beautiful. And I kind of like fell into that because it was more artistic. Yeah. So I was still building, but it's I was still niche. doing art. Yeah, it was really niche. But I think I was, like, seeking that. I was trying to find yeah, art. Yeah. And I just wanted to do art. Something with more meaning than just yeah, slapping. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So instead of just building, like, um, uh, kit homes and stuff like that, which I'm proud that I can say I never did. Mm. Like, I've never touched a prefab <laughs> thing <laughs> in my life, which not many can say these days, but... I'm proud that I can. Would that be like an, an actor doing reality TV or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, like, cop like out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the way of the world. That's what I mean. It's like complete disconnect. Nothing's done by hand. Nothing's done like all custom. Everything's just pre-done, quick, hurry up, all that sort of stuff. So I was trying to get away from that as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, and that's how. I fell into tattooing after that, so... So, oh, sorry, just going back, um, art at school, you, were you drawing at all? I drew, yeah, I've still got like, my art book. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, like probably Spider-Man. your book and... I drew Spider-Man and yeah. things like that. Waves. And, yeah, I used to draw waves and horses. I was obsessed with drawing um, horses and stuff. Really? Yeah. And my, was that just coming out of your own intuition or you no, saw something? Or? my uncle was an amazing artist and painter and... All of his artworks were at Nan and Pop's house on the wall. And he had this big drawing that he did of four horses all together. And that was the first one I saw where I'm like, oh, I want to draw. So I started trying to draw my uncle's drawings and drawing the horses and tried to get better and better at it. And then he used to have all these beautiful, intricate Indigenous paintings that he did. And it wasn't as... Um, I guess popular as it is now or at the forefront of anyone's like mine aboriginal paintings so he barely sold anything but if if they were for sale this day they're absolutely stunning and the amount of detail and depth that he went into them they're incredible but they essentially inspired me to do what i'm doing so it's always stuck with me like seeing do you the still paint. have that art they're, yeah, their uncle's places still at Nan and Pops, so I go to Nan and Pops and they're still on the wall. The horses are still on the wall, and like I fall in love with them again every time I see them. Um, but yeah, it was probably oh, be ten years ago almost. He passed away, and I was staying at Nan and Pops. We went up for the funeral, and it was just me and my wife staying at Nan and Pops, and um, I was standing in the hallway late at night, and the the horse drawing fell off the wall. Stop it. It just dropped off the wall and no. fell in front of me. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, I, it was like I could feel he was there. And I'm like, oh, crap. And this is before I started this whole journey that I'm on now with, like, um, all the art that I'm doing. And, and he drops. Yeah, it was just like, whoa. That's... <laughs> Yeah, and then... Yeah, How could you not look at that like a fucking sign? That's what it felt like. So I was just like... I just threw everything to the wind and caution and it was basically COVID was the catalyst after that. COVID basically hit not long after and then I couldn't tattoo anymore. We had to shut the shop down, all that stuff. So hurry, go, let's go back. Yeah, I'm skipping. You're skipping. <laughs> um, a lot's happened. A lot has happened. Yeah. Uh, you were inspired by the horses. You are drawing horses. Yeah. I've got a horse tattooed on my side. It was my... 
Um, second tat. Second yeah. tat. Yeah. Um, coming back, going. So you leave the the intricate German yeah copper building, art yeah and yep. decide you want to become a tattoo artist. Well, I snapped my leg, Ooh. so I snapped my leg in half um, and did all the tendons and tore the muscle How? wakeboarding. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wakeboarding and yeah, come off wrong and my whole leg just oh, went, fuck. it just basically whoosh, snapped in half and um yeah that was a long doesn't journey. sound like a clean break no it was like all the tendons ripped and snapped and then the my quad tore off the bone and sort of slingshotted back up in my leg and all that stuff so it was a bit of recovery after that and I couldn't get up on the roof anymore so I couldn't really climb the ladder or even put the tour belt on and it was like too heavy and it took ages to just try to get the strength back up so I'm like oh, what else can I do like oh I used to draw in high school <laughs> I'll start drawing while I'm recovering again and kept drawing and drawing and those drawings actually got me a tattoo apprenticeship is that right? Yeah. So what, what made you think, oh, I want to stick these drawings on people? Oh, it wasn't anything at all. It was, I was just drawing because I love drawing again. No, yeah, I get that. But like, when did you think, oh, I can put these? Oh, the uh, I went and got a tattoo. First one? No, no, no. This was way down the track. So I moved back to Torquay. Dad had a heart attack. So I, like, I'll move back and look after you. Um, went and got a tattoo showing my um drawings and they're like do you want to come work and do an apprenticeship i'm like i just snapped my leg i'm not building and i just wanted to do something else and what else was i good at and it was just like everything lined up and it was meant to be totally yeah so i just like yeah threw everything and yep i'm doing it done and just didn't look back. And so what was it like to actually do your first tattoo on somebody? Yeah, stressful. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah full on. Like the nerves and you, you're trying to calm your nerves and stop shaking. And do they know it's your first tattoo? No, it's like fake it in front of them and pure confidence. But on the inside, you're absolutely packing. But I think that's what makes a tattooist or breaks one. Like when you're an apprentice, like if you can get through that initial like barrage of emotions and stress and all that because it's so high stress and it's for life and all that sort of stuff um but yeah if you can manage that and ride through those highs and lows because like your stencil will start coming off and you don't know what to do and you're like oh shit Mm -hmm. and you gotta like it's cool it's cool (laughs) yeah yeah no you don't say anything and you're like just work it and it's problem solving like on the spot and tattooing is all of that because you'll have different skins and different thicknesses and you've got to solve problems like throughout the whole tattoo even when you're a professional after 10 years um you just get better at it you just learn how to adapt quicker and um god you could make me even more freaked out about wanting one now. no 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 well that's the thing when you go to someone experience they know what they're looking like i can look at your skin now and tell before we even go down like the path because i've seen so many different skin types and different reactions and i can preempt things now yeah but when you start you don't have any of that yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just like yeah. off you go <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of training leading up to it and like pre-training like how to do the line which way to pull it but so you know when you can you, you, if you can practice on a is i think it's uh, fish flesh for doing stitches 
Yes. Yeah, is there yeah. something that you can practice on that's yeah, like the, human flesh? The closest is banana peel or orange peel. Oh, okay. Um, orange most, peel. That that would be a strange texture. Well, it's got pores. Yeah. So when you look at it, like when you like what I do with my art, you start to look at things closer, yeah. and then you see the similarity between that and our skin, and even the thickness of it too. So if you go too thick on an orange peel, you'll tear a hole. Mm. And you'll do the same on someone's skin where people would practice on pig skin and it's like about like 10 mil thick (laughs) and and it's all oily and greasy and it's just not the same. So if you practice on that and then move to a person, you'd tear them to pieces. So you need something that's more delicate like a banana or an orange that reacts the same if you overwork it or like go too deep or things like that. So you actually learn to have that finesse for people. Yeah. So, and what was that first tattoo? Oh, it was... Stretching a, the memory? No, no, no. It was a hang 10 symbol. Like uh, this? Yeah. No, no, Like two feet. Oh, like the okay, old school yeah. hang 10. Yeah. Um, on oh, that, a, that's hang loose. Yeah, hang loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a shaka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on an old school dude that he used to live across the road from me in Torquay. And he surfed Torquay Point and he like knew I needed to start somewhere and he came in and offered to get it done so it was like yeah just two little feet and the toes and that was it where yeah where was it on his body i think it was on his arm yes on his forearm and then he kept coming back and getting more and more and more and extra how old was he oh he was 60s yeah and did he already have ink um no no so that was his first one in my mind i'm like yeah you sort of got to start young i don't think you can get ink when you're a bit older yeah i don't know what that Um, thought is we get like 70 80 year old crew for their first ones yes which is so sick yeah 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 Yeah. they kind of like given away to all the stereotypes Mm -hmm. and gone with the wind and they're like you know what I want to do something for me and something that I love and want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just come in and get something that they want. And it's a, it's a beautiful to watch that happen too. Yeah. Where you just see people go, look, I've been controlled and told not to my whole life. Yeah. And made to think it was bad. But it's something I've wanted to do and they just go, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm just doing what I want. So it's pretty cool seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my uncle and my little cousin were... Uh, spearfishing in wa on a road trip and yeah that's pretty cool they both just went ah fuck it let's just go get something to remember this time yeah yeah and that's what they are they're markers of moments in your time and like whatever you're doing on this earth yeah that's the way i look at it they're little like memory markers yeah so whenever you get something it just marks that moment or marks that memory or remembers a person and things like that so So they all they all tell a story to you yeah they've all got something like yeah i can well, when you get a tattoo, it triggers a chemical reaction in your brain because you're inflicting pain on yourself. So we're actually inherently like wired to remember pain. So if you touch a hot stove, you remember not to do yeah. it. And that chemical reaction happens when you get a tattoo. So every time you get one, you can remember the whole day. So the whole day of this one when I was with my sister up in Sydney and I remember the studio we went to and we spent the day in the park and went for a walk and it was her birthday and that's why we got it and then we went out for dinner that night. But I can remember every moment because we got a tattoo. So it triggers that chemical reaction so you can remember everything that happens in that whole day, which is incredible. Yeah, And I hear it's quite addictive. It is, yeah. 
yeah once you when you're going to get another <laughs> yeah so we say that to and we get the 80 year old like ladies come in they get one and then they come back and they've got their whole arm covered or like we've had some get whole chest pieces and chest pieces have really come in vogue yeah yeah it's pretty cool yeah 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 do you have a big chest piece i've got a few across my chest yeah, yeah. and i've got my whole side done legs head yeah, the neck, the works, yeah, but it's my trait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, any, um, any in your mind that you've just been like, like one that you've given someone. Have you done one for yourself? Yeah, I've done like a few of my legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, because they're the only spots you can kind of reach and yeah. tattoo properly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, anything that really sticks out, like, or that you've done for someone that's just been a real. Oh, uh, the the ones that I do for mob, I love. Because it's a lot of, um, like, you think of traditional culture, like, tattooing isn't really part of our, like, inherent culture. Like, ours is more scarification and things like that. Um, but then you've got it through, yeah, like, Borneo and, like, Key or Maori culture, um, Samoa, Fiji, and tattooing all through those cultures, yeah. and traditional cultures. Um, and it spans all through Europe and everywhere. But um, Was mob, it part of mob culture? No. And that's the thing, like, it was more scarification for oh, us. Oh, scarification, I Which saying. is, like, yeah. kind of Papua New Guinea and yeah. all through those sort of regions. Yeah. Um, and, well, sorry, what is that? Like, scars. Yeah. So, it basically, um, like, it's a ceremonial process. And like, stripes on a fucking military uniform? Yeah, almost. Like, they're different initiations or different sort of markers of what you're going through or... Um, yeah, becoming a man rituals. and those transitions. Yeah, and rituals or... Of, what do you call that? Yeah, like what you're saying. Um, like when you pass through something, what is yeah, that? They, like a, yeah, going through like a, a whole new transition of like being... A like, threshold of some yeah, sort. Yeah, threshold and gaining knowledge or even denoting like what person you were, whether you're a medicine man or a spirit man or things like that. So they different scars would denote those things and... Um, different tribes had all of their different meanings for the scars too. So, like, it, it's such a big country. So the diversity between, say, the scars in Northern Territory to the scars of our people or even, like, if they're down here or wherever, they they kind of changed, I guess, um, with some of the meaning. But generally um, all connected in one way or another. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you... Just jumping around a bit. When you go walk about, right? Yeah. In back in the day. Yep. Would someone from let's say the Waterong, would they be able to would would they like go as far as Uluru? Or is oh, the walkabout more still I, that's I, like a fucking long way, isn't it? It's, too yeah, long? I don't know. I don't I, I don't know about that distance. How, how long and is it six months, three months? It doesn't matter. Well, my pop used to go a bit of walk about sometimes so like my my mum's family so that's my indigenous side of the family um eight kids and my pop was an oyster farmer and used to like this work. is your mum's dad yes yep 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 and um yeah so he used to just go walking for months so he would go from basically north of newcastle um port stevens area from the oyster farms there and then walk like to all the different oyster farms all the way down to the south of Sydney and like just work along the way, stay at people's houses and then walk his way back and then come back up and then come back home and 
it's like three four months later and but it wasn't perceived as anything it was just like oh, i'm gonna go down here and work and i'll make way back and come back here and work and that was what what it was and he just send the paychecks back and send them back home yeah uh, but i think that was that um instinct of like still there like in in the culture like the instinct to just go oh walk down here go do that walk and work and then come back and it was just natural well it's enriching i would have thought yeah well enriching for him but nan was screaming with eight kids (laughs) (laughs) nan tells me bloody bucket off for like months at a time and i was stuck here with eight kids and they're all like ranged ages as well and all trying to get them to like school and primary school and some were babies and yeah yeah so she did it tougher <laughs> and yeah. so he was off oh, oh, go walk yeah, yeah. go pick life's some oysters good. here yeah. yeah life's good life's good no crying kids pulling her hair out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, so yeah she she was tough yeah so it's that's an ancient thing did did women go walk about um i don't know i i can't really answer to that i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure it's yeah. a modern world we're living in and um yeah. the, the the lines are blurred on everything yeah and but if you go back to first nations old school yeah yeah what did the was it well it you, was, you know where i'm driving at here well that's what i get so like i had the same conversation the other day as someone was saying oh i was like they were so nomadic and like because all the the whole mob would get up and shift and yeah. like move around um and that Depending was on the season or something different seasons different indications different sources and like knowing where to be for different times of the year or even different se- like lengths of seasons because yeah. there wasn't just um typically our, our normal four seasons that we perceive there was sometimes seven um different seasons and they were all like interlinked with like country and when flowers would come or when certain moths or butterflies would emerge and when certain fish would run and things like that and they would sort of denote the seasons and or when certain um yeah fruit would drop from trees like that would say all right a season to be here or go to this place um but yeah the whole mob would get up and move and go to that next place but what they were like oh yeah so they they didn't really have a home they kept moving everywhere i'm like no but the whole country was their home like that whole parcel of land was their actual home like what you would perceive as that building over there that we all live in with the three bedrooms like this whole land parcel was home and that was like a room and that was a room and they're all different parts of country that you utilized and it was what you cared for and you looked after your home <laughs> and took care of it. So I was trying to get him to understand or like break away from a house dwelling or a hut or like perceiving that as civilization or a home or somewhere you had to hunker down. Like moving with the country was much more ethical. And he's like, oh, I've never thought of it that way, mm. which was kind of cool. Yeah. But didn't, um, if you read, you know, Dark Amy, obviously, you've had yeah. A, yeah. And yep. did he, he, uh, I can't remember the author's name, but he gives credit. Bruce Pascoe. Thank yeah. you. Yep. Uh, that 
things were way more advanced than we've yeah. ever been given credit for or, yeah. or you've been ever been given credit for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And there's the waterways over near Malakuta that are there. Yeah, Malakuta and Budgebim as well, like being one of the like World Heritage listed for the eel traps down there. Um, but, yeah, the, the actual level of technology and farming and things like that and cultivation and, like, it was incredible. It really was, but it was... Um, sustainable <laughs> yeah and that yeah. that's why there's um yeah. the the i guess the evidence of it is being annihilated or wiped out um through farming and setting up farms and stuff like that because a lot of the the traditional farms or like what the indigenous would farm were wiped out by cattle and then the cattle would eat all of those plants and then that's all gone and it's all farmland now so finding those things is like fewer and far between but they're they're there and they exist like setting up nets between the trees along rivers to catch birds and like different animals as well like intricate net systems that were like woven and strung between trees to catch birds flying down that they would flush through and then they'd catch and pull them down and yeah and have a feed it's just incredible yeah yep now the dream time and the spirit world and the all of it and the connectivity was did they because there's i believe there's a tree near in the malakuta area over there that the root of it is dmt yeah yeah was that part of culture i no i've heard like a couple of old mobs saying that old uncles and aunties used to make up this drink and I've I've had a couple of friends um, and cousins and uncles that have had it, and yeah, it's supposed to stem from um, that. And so um, I don't. So I'm know. curious, like you know, you have a big corroboree, right? And I just think that sounds so fucking epic. And yeah. so obviously through dance and is storytelling, right? Yeah. And these are probably they're sharing stories of. <laughs> 50,000 years, you yeah, know. Yeah, and I think connecting to the dreaming when you're, like, when if I transport myself back as if I'm there, like, you you got to imagine all the food that you're eating is interconnected and, like, so pure and, like, so from the earth and all of those things are interconnected. So, like, like how you said with that tree, how it has, like, DMT within it, like, that would have been throughout all of the food systems, I would imagine, like across the the whole country. Well, even though they know now that root systems talk yeah. to each other, yeah, and trees, all trees help yeah, each other. All the um, mycelium and all that sort of stuff. How they all like connect and talk. And I've, I was like reading how the mother trees know where their seeds are, and then they feed their seeds um, like through that connection system and make sure that they're nourished and look after them. But they can tell which tree like or which tree is growing or which seed is growing that actually came from them through that system. It's incredible. Like, But imagine being interconnected with that system and living a part of it. That's right. Yeah. So that that's what I try not to lose sight of, of, like, that's when I go out and paint or connect or be a part of it. Like, I'm not a, a human or a person or separate from it. Um, I try to remember that I'm a part of it or interconnected with it. And a lot of people can't relate to that, but 
that's what I'm endeavouring to do with my art. Trying to col- uh, connect to a collective consciousness that we are all sharing. Yeah, that we're not separate from it and we're not... Or each other. Yeah, or, we're not different. We're not yeah. different to, like, the beautiful trees that are growing or the river systems or the fish that swim through it or even the soil that is there and things like that. Yeah, You're connected and a part of it and you have to, like, treat it that way as if it's an extension of yourself. Um, do you that, think about that when you're surfing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, mm. that's how I kind of recharge myself because where I'm from, our dreaming story, um, which it, I was thinking more of it because my uncle was um, retelling it to me the other day, and um, he was telling me how the pot of dolphins, because our totem's a dolphin, and the pot of dolphins swam from down south and down in this area. He like, and they swam up the coast and got up to Port Stephens and um, wanted to take a rest and there was so many fish and it was abundant so they rested in um, Port Stephens where we live and where our country is and then because it was so abundant with fish and wildlife and everything they decided to make it their home but those dolphins came from here and I'm, I'm trying to interconnect that link of like the ancient, when I see a pod of dolphins swim past, like how that pod of dolphins was connected to the pod of dolphins that swam and made a home where we live and became our totem. And um, who I was talking about before, Gulumbara. So Gulumbara was sitting up in the sky watching the dolphins come in and make it their home. And um, two of the main dolphins, Wurrabai and Gulpa, um, saw all the fish getting eaten. They're like, oh, we've got thousands of fish but we're eating them all there's nowhere for them to hide or um, be able to take shelter so Gulpa said to Warabai let's make some shelter for them so they started flicking rocks and making islands and they just kept like piling all these rocks up in Port Stephens and then um, all the trees started growing out of them and the fish used it like mangroves and stuff like that and we were able to hide and then more and more fish kept growing and then Gulumbara saw what they did and reached down and talked to them and said, look, I watched what you did and how that act of kindness of, like, looking after the fish and giving them shelter and looking after them and I'll give you... I'll grant you both one wish. And they both said, we want to walk on the lands that we created. So he goes, all right, you swim as fast as you can up to the beach and I'll make it happen. So they swam as fast as they could, both of them, and they beached themselves, and as soon as they hit the sand, they they grew legs and walked up onto the land, and they became the first two Aboriginal uh, Warramai people to walk on the land. So that's our original creation story. But, yeah, that connection of the, the salt water and the sea and being a dolphin and having that a part of my blood, like, yeah, good response again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that connection to the ocean and the sea is, like, deep-seated through my blood and my veins and my ancestry and everything yeah that's basically a part of who i am yeah 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 i I don't i don't you know unless i'm on the bank of the gold and having breakfast alone doesn't happen very often but in the ocean for some reason when i can be sitting there and i can all of a sudden feel like i'm connected to all time yeah and i'm in the same water that shares the all the stories that you've ever heard of from people walking the plank to people yeah. who have just been 
you know, lived and died in the water from yeah. the water, or people who have just been having a nice time, and you know, but through yeah. all history, go back to fucking pyramid Cleopatra days, yeah, yeah, yeah. same water. Yeah, I and, think, and when you're in it, you yeah. kind of feel, I feel that sometimes. Water has that ability to have more of that, like holding of energy. I think because like you imagine for thousands and millions of years, like that water's been there and everything's interacted with it. And imparted their energy on it, and you can you can feel it when you hop in the water. Like you jump out in the sea, and you know that you're sitting in the same sea as like like all the whales, all the sharks, all the other people, and all of that energy's in there. The fish swimming, the coral, like it's all interconnected, and you're sitting in a part of it, and like you feel yourself floating up and down, and in the smallest slither of time. Yeah, and just and just being. I remember I went for a paddle with Zeb. It was like a real rough, like, um, southwest, and we started at Torquay Point. And he's like, oh, we're just going to paddle out. We're going to go into the wind and just punch into the wind for... He said his clock for something. I just, like, went until he said stop. <laughs> he just kept paddling. I didn't look back. And it was rough. Like, it was, like, huge sea, just going crazy and wind blowing. And Were you scared? Oh, yeah, I was a little bit packing, but yeah. I trusted Zeb, so I'm like, I just follow him. Yeah, I'll get on his back if anything yeah, goes wrong. I'll just watch him. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to follow him and just go with him. But then we got, like, way out, and I turned around, looked back, and Torquay was a speck. And um, But, yeah, he's just like, he's, he said, oh, let's take a moment and just don't sort of get um, overcome by the roughness. Go with it and, like, start to feel like the beauty of being out here and how beautiful all this wind is and the, the waves going up and down. And it went really calm. Like, it was howling and, like, as crazy and scary as, but it just went calm. Like, it, like in my mind, like, the actual... The waves moving felt amazing. The wind blowing off the tops of them. Oh, the circumstances hadn't changed, but yeah, what, how you perceived it. How you perceived it changed. Like, you felt a sense of calm within that chaos and it was this like crazy moment where i'm like this dude gets it <laughs> it was like it was an incredible feeling like just to be in this absolute chaos of like nature but then feel a sense of calm within that mm-hmm. um and realize that you're a part of it and if you just let go and accept it and go with it everything it's not as scary as it seems and you just can be a part of something and it was yeah it was an amazing moment and I've never forgotten it and I kind of like I've always remembered it with anything that I've done now it's like going in to do a talk like in front of corporates or for a panel like I I have the ancestors on my shoulder and I walk into that room and I don't feel the chaos or scared or like a sense of calm comes over and I just like oh cool like just go with it and I'm supposed to be here and just like I bob up and down and flow with it. It's, mm. it's really cool, yeah. Walshy. I know, Walshy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> um, so when did you get the idea, I, I'm going to open a tattoo shop? Oh, that was my wife. Yeah? So, like, because I went and got tattooed off her, and um, that's how we met. She was previously married. But then that kind of fell through and I was put on as apprentice and we just worked together for years and her family, like, well, marriage split up. And then we just kept working for like another two, three years after that. And then 
I think I took her down to Lavers to go see the glowworms on a friend's property. Oh, yeah. Because it's like she's from Melbourne and like raised in Essendon and never really been out much. And I'm like, oh, you've got to come and see this place. Like a friend's got a property down there and it's 20 acres the start of Joanna Falls. And you walk down in and it's just glowworms everywhere. It's amazing. Um, so I took her down. I'm like, oh, you've got to come down and meet my friends. Like, old school talk crew, really cruisy. We'll have a pizza, go see the glowworms, and it'll be awesome. Um, and we did that, and the rest is history. We ended up slowly seeing each other after that and got married now, got a little one, and, like, had the shop for 15 years now. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, which is crazy. So. Oh, man. Okay, so then... Oh, that answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, it was, um, yeah, just same thing, organic. Like, I think the shop was only open for a few months when I first went in there. So, like, Dad had the heart attack. I moved back from Sydney from that copper job. I just had knee surgery, snapped my knee. I was, like, drawing at home, doing nothing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get a tattoo for myself, stuff this. I'm sick of sitting around and... Yeah, then met my wife, or now wife. Um, she tattooed me, which was this one here, that one. So that's a part of that memory of when we first met. And then... You ever heard the saying when... It's a fucking shit saying, because any time someone says it to you or says, said it to me, I've wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> but when things are falling apart, they're actually falling together. Yeah, no, I've, I've learnt that along the way. Yeah, so a lot of the great things that have happened within my life or to me or things that I've done have stemmed from crap. So, like, yeah, snapping my leg, thinking it was the worst thing in the world, lost my job, couldn't work. I was a builder for 10 years by then. What am I going to do? And then that evolved into, like, this. And Dad had a heart attack, so I'm like, oh, got to go back and try to help out. And it was all doom and gloom, but then out of nowhere this pops out. And then that became the catalyst for getting married and having kids. And and then COVID happened. And then that's when I was like, I want to paint more again because we're just sitting at home. And then all of this painting career stemmed from that. So, so COVID happened and you were looking for a creative outlet and you started yeah. painting. I just went and bought a heap of canvases. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit around and do nothing and I want to paint. So I just started painting. I painted Nan and Pop a picture of a dolphin. That was the first painting, and I sent it up to them. And then my uncle and auntie saw it, and they're like, can you paint us something? Oh, sick. So I painted them something, and then someone else saw it, and they're like, can you paint me something? And then next thing I know, I had a gallery, and then I did the wrap artwork for the Surf Coast Shire, then had my first exhibition, and then I was doing yeah stuff for the Newcastle Knights and did their jersey, and it just snowballed from there. And all now. in the last few years, really. Yeah, yep. What and a, what a ride you're on at the moment. Yeah, huge ride. Yeah, and it's just that giving in, like jumping in and going into flow, and just like being calm in the storm and just going with whatever life's got like in store for me. <laughs> um, now. <sighs> Going with the flow and you say, like, finding that calm and you obviously get that through nature yeah. and being present with nature. Do you present? Do you, do you go the other way and go modern meditation style at all or do you find that through nature? No, yeah, it's not, it's not forced. It's just, like, 
I, I think I've always had that ability and it really did come from surfing as a kid. Like I've grown up at Torquay Surf Beach and just always been at fish shows and always in the water. Like every night after school down the beach, like surfing or even going for a swim. Um, but yeah, you learn like a sense of calm in that. Like you learn to just chill and relax and be super cruisy. Because I don't find that at Winky. <laughs> well, that's why no, I stopped no, surfing no. at Winky. <laughs> I've mean, yeah. been a bit facetious. No, but, uh, we surfed there as kids and all the old boys would take us out there. Yeah. And um, yeah, as I got older and slower, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'll just move to Bells a bit or yeah, I might yeah, go out yeah, danger yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. more my pace. <laughs> but yeah, let the young ones have that. Yeah. Yeah, you've got it. It's always a uh, compare it to playing footy. Yeah, you've yeah. uh, got to have beat. I would say I'm rock rover. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you're not getting a wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah, you do. You got to get it all. I've got the advantage of all my tats. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a couple. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I've always just surfed all year round in bodies and a vest. So all winter I surf in bodies and a vest, and like. Weddy's got too tight and I couldn't move and I couldn't paddle properly and I'm like, look, it's only an hour. If I can get out, get a couple of ways, like stuff, I'll just wear boardies and a vest and at least I can move. And it's kind of become a tradition and almost can't turn back on it now because it's just yeah, set in stone. Yeah, you've said it so many oh, times, no. so many people. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah. sees me out and they're like, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, oh, it's just, yeah. Well, it's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of climatise to it a bit too, yeah. Like just Wim Hoffing it. <laughs> and so when did you move down, down, down? Down to Torquay. No, down to... Um, oh, down in the Otways, down to yeah. Colac. Uh, when Ozzy was born, when our son was born. So five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Was that, that was pre-COVID? Yeah, just pre-COVID, yeah. So, what a great <laughs> yeah, traffic move pre-COVID. Yeah, I know. It was just luck. Yeah. So like... What, sorry, can I drill back? What was the catalyst to jump down that way oh the glow worms no yeah it was that feeling though <laughs> yeah because it was like talkie was getting busier and busier yeah. and um you noticed it more and more and it's so hard because you you love where you grow up so much but you you miss that feeling of what it used to be like the old school used to be country town and right next to the beach and and most of the people that I grew up with all moved down that way anyway. So they're at Melanesia or Joanna or Skeens Creek, Apollo Bay, like all through that region. So it made sense to be close to those crew. And I can still get waves down at like Skeens oh, shit, or yeah, yeah. Joey and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, just it's a lot more pared back and relaxed. And you like, feel it as soon as I get down that way. Yeah. I don't know. I was born in Camberdown. I don't know. Oh, yeah, if yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Amazing. I yeah. get down that way and I just feel something lift. lift. Yeah, that's the feeling. Yeah. It's literally like when I drive just into the forest, everything lifts. Like all your worries just disappear. It doesn't, nothing matters. That's literally the feeling that you get. And I think that was like you can feel it when we move down there. It's just like we can come into Torquay work and still go to the shop or I can go in and, like, do stuff for my art. But when you come back, you're just back to peace, yeah, which is cool. When you're down, you're like, fuck, i got to go to Torquay. Yeah. yeah, well, it's not too bad. Like, it's got such um, nostalgia. Like, I've got memories every part of Torquay. Yeah. Like, every creek, like, climbing here, doing this, doing that. Like, that's what I love. Even, like, where we are now, like, 
like dad's office there, dad's office there, and I used to run around here as a kid, and and same with across the road with old like old Quicksilver building. Pretty serendipitous that we ended up in here today. It is, yeah, yeah, and bare little signs that I take note of, and like things that guide me that tell me I'm where I'm supposed to be, or in the right place, and what I'm supposed to be doing. Is things like this is like ending up right next to where dad's office was, and like having him just passed and even Eve reaching out and saying like come up like those things just don't happen for a reason yeah yeah it's yeah, nice it's, it's, it's all funny meant to be because I was stressing out and yeah. my neighbor was uh, the lady who lives across the road was out walking had she got an old dog can't get much past the driveway yeah, yeah. and the digger was going and yeah I was like oh I've got Jared coming over and I'm supposed to be doing a chat with him and I can't you know and she was like don't worry yeah. You work it out. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wooey shit yeah. is that? <laughs> Stop yeah. working out right now. <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Then yeah. it did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the stuff I go with. Like, my personal totem um, for myself, and I've got it tattooed on me, like right there, is a pelican. And, like, the school that my son's going to their main logo is a pelican and we've got pelicans by the lake and whenever i'm driving to a function or going to things like a pelican will fly over the roof and it, they're just things that tell me that i'm going the right way and i'm doing the right thing and just to trust it and listen so i've jumped in and going with the flow but the reminders that you're you're going the right way and that it brings a sense of calm straight over me so like I'll just be like, oh, I've got to go do this talk, for, like, in front of all these people. And then a pelican will turn up, and I'll be like, huh, yeah, cool. And everything just washes away straight away. And it's like, no, you got this, you're right, you're, yeah, yeah. you're where you're supposed to be, and you're yeah. doing what you're supposed to be doing, so keep going. And I, I always look and listen to those things when they come across my path. Same when I do artwork, like, something will show up when I go out to the place where the artwork's going to live or, like, be. And I'll always incorporate that into the art, like the eel. The eel turned up and presented itself, and that's how I know it was supposed to be a part of the artwork, and I just trust it. I don't go, oh, I won't do an eel because that might make people offended. I don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was what was the... (laughs) That's what came. Yeah. That's what spoke to me. That's what was there, and it was there for a reason, and I have to put it in because there's deeper meaning that I might not even understand, and I've just got to trust it and go with it, so... Rick Rubin's new book talks about this. Does it? A yeah. lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, he's read that book. <laughs> no, <not at> <laughs> no, no, but I'm like, you're, 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 yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. You yeah. tapped into the same thing that he's talking about. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I love the symbolism and the the spiritual aspect, that you might even say, to it. Yeah. And the two things that, one, that I see, digital clocks. Yeah. And if I see like a 1111, yeah. 333, yeah, yeah, symbols, yeah. I yep. used to think it was yep. when I was in not so healthy mind, I used to think it was marked for death. Yeah. The universe is coming at me. Yep. But now I look at it like I'm right on time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yep. And the other one is there's a tawny frog yeah. mouth. Is, yeah, yeah. Is that what you call them? Yeah. Uh, once every three to six months, it shows up. Yeah in my yard on the same branch right at the bottom of the stairs yep. 
and it's, it's literally like where that speaker is right there yeah 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 right next and to you won't flinch yeah that's amazing yeah and, yeah. Uh, and uh, he was there like three nights ago yeah i was packing the car before i had to leave early in the morning and yep. i was like oh hey yeah 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 hey, how you going <laughs> yeah yeah and th- and it's like that's what i want people to start to l- sort of see like that notice those things because like the more you slow down and you take notice of nature and like connecting you you'll start to see those things more like you you see that reoccurring animal in your life or you'll see like something constantly like show up and it's trying to tell you something but you just got to take note and listen and slow down a bit because we're all too quick like most people would be packing the car and too focused on what they're doing and not even look up and see the bird but like to start to slow down and notice those things i think that's how you that that's what i want everyone to do like just start to connect more like because you having those connecting moments you might have this chat with me now and then you might go away and go shit what else am i not seeing like well what else should i slow down and oh like, man i hate to think what, take, we're not, what else we're not seeing yeah and but the more you talk to people like this and have these conversations and like that's what i try to do with my art that i do i just try to get them to slow down i'm like have a look like you tell me what you've noticed in your life like is there anything you can think of that was there when you're a kid and like keeps showing up now and they're like actually yeah there's this bird and it's always been there i'm like what does that mean spirit god yeah and then they go oh like i'll take more note and then more be more aware of like their surroundings and what they're seeing so then they slow down in general and connect more so that that's my whole hope that's all i hope hope for whenever i kind of talk to people or do an artwork or share something is to try to get that feeling into people as much as i can another thing that i've i don't want to say it but i'll say it only because i don't like jinxing myself like you were saying before about I can't remember what you're saying, but you're like, oh, I'm surfing in the. You've got to do it now. But I took Instagram off my phone. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. And yep. I've only got it on my desktop. Yep, yep. And so, like, yeah. you sort of got to go and then remember about it, and then go. Oh, I'll have a look what's there, yeah. and it's yep. more of a message thing. But yep. not having it on my phone has made me my screen time. Yeah. I was, I, that thing's got something in it when it's on the phone for me. Yeah, I'll be in the supermarket. Taking too not long. even realize you're on it yeah. and i'm fucking on it yeah 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 i know it's almost like stealing energy or stealing oh, totally. time yeah and before you know it like and i've been guilty of it because i've had it for work and it was like the main i guess form of sharing yeah yeah, like yeah. Images. No, I get it. yeah yeah so like that's how i'd share an artwork or this or that and um i noticed it too and i'm like i need to get away from this as much as possible <laughs> oh it's stealing it's yeah. stealing from us yeah and then and but, you lose your appreciation for what's beautiful or you you look at something and people just flick oh yeah that's what i'm saying like the most yeah. beautiful photo or artwork and you're like fucking next yeah next. Oh, i've seen that yeah I've, yeah and uh, yeah and then it sort of desensitizes you to go look for it or see it like around you yeah that's what i've noticed anyway so like yeah getting away from that and even trying to instill that into like how your kids think is really hard because like it's just a part of everything they do and like and they see you you doing art on an ipad yeah 
Exactly. So that that's the tricky world. So I try to paint with my son, and he comes out with me when I like when I'm going walking or doing anything for these things or moments that I have. He's like by my side, so I'll take him with me or take the dogs, and like we we do all that together, whether it's camping or whatever. Yeah, or we go down the beach or whatever we're doing. So I try to make him as much a part of it subconsciously hoping that it absorbs it uh-huh. and like it's an experience like that there's like no other i think like to have him there and then seeing these artworks come to life and like be there because he's starting to recognize oh dad that's yours or dad that's your artwork and then hopefully later on he'll know that he was there when like the story of that was um, formed and he was present when that eel turned up and like showed itself because he was standing next to me and he was looking at it too and it was the first time he actually saw an eel so he was like oh what's that dad and it kind of signifies that moment as well so and I've always made sure that like I share that as a part of it too like having him there and experiencing it for the first time and me seeing him experience it and see an eel for the first time and how special that moment is in itself but um yeah then to like turn it into an artwork and like delve into it more yeah it's pretty pretty special how how does it make you feel when you see your artwork on newcastle knights jersey oh it still doesn't even feel real like i just feel like i'm some dude (laughs) huge. i'm just like a dude doing art that's all i feel like i'm just oh yeah i did that oh yeah i did and i just want to do as much as i can to help as much as i can i think that's why i'm trying to do so many things because i just want to get culture out there as much as possible and i'm super passionate about just wanting to share it and share that feeling and try to get people connect and that's why i just keep oh yeah i'll do that i want to do that i want to do that i just want to i kind of it's like repatriating spaces as well like because like you have the space in um the art center now and people go in and like even with the other artists that put stuff in, like Kate James with her stuff on the outside and Taryn Love who did the, the theatre inside and uh, Mick Ryan who did the soundscape. Um, they're repatriating, like, places of country and back on country and and even, like, working with the traditional owners like the Wadarung as well and um, being open with that connection of how we can use our art or how we tell story and work with them to help repatriate places for them as well um it's super important like because the more it's in front of people the more they'll start to learn and start to connect and start to realize it's not a scary thing like indigenous culture and it's a part of your history as much as everyone and learning it is such an important thing Man, it's fucking just shameful the, how much and for how long it's been swept under the carpet as yeah. if it was not a thing. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck me drunk. Yeah, and I want to I want to change that in a compassionate way, though. Like, no, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, like um, plenty of other countries managed to do it tastefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you think of the, <laughs> I mean, it's fucked up. You as think it of is. where we are and how isolated we are. Like it was inevitable of how things evolved. I think because no, it was not this day and age of everyone sees everything instantly. No, 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 no. No one saw fucking no nothing. No one saw anything. No. It was like wild west 
on like a different level yeah like they were on the other side of the world and no one knew what they were doing or and ali heard back what they reported so they just oh yeah we're doing this and this is what's going on okay yep cool yep but reality was a completely different thing um and that's that whole truth telling aspect of what indigenous or first nation culture want to achieve is like we need to kind of share those things because they haven't been talked about um and if we get those things like out on the page and like into the public we can all sort of understand where things have progressed like these things happen and this happened and then that happened and so it's a follow-on effect of like like a continuation of where we are today and these things that happened back then have affected where we are and how we're doing things like this day and age now and that's where it's like kind of lost where people go oh but it's so long ago it was in the past it it's not my problem or not my fault but like first nation people today are still like affected by what happened and what's happened over that time it's not a very long time period when you really think it's about fucking it nothing. Yeah. it's nothing yeah and yeah. also you know turn it around and just say uh, you know, it's the worst analogy ever but if aliens came down and fucking <laughs> analyzed us analyzed us or just yeah. decided that no nah, you guys yeah. are all going to be over here we're going to take this area now yeah we'd all be going what it's the fucking same thing yeah, yeah it's the same thing and but that's why i do it with understanding like people are taught what they're taught through each generation and you can't hold that against anyone and well it's just compassion because yeah it's just sharing that compassion and going and if if you can be understanding of where someone's coming from with an attitude that might not like or be confrontational or be a little bit like not the truth but they've learnt that way and you can't hold it against them because they haven't been taught any different so if you can like talk to them with compassion and actually talk about these things in a in a more sensible way, then they go, oh, I actually haven't been spoken to about it that way and not someone having a go at me or trying to make me get my back up or whatever. So you try to... Well, that's all fear. And when fear comes into it yeah, or, you know... And as soon as no that arises, yeah, everything goes out the window and you see all of the, the different comments and stuff that... Yeah, it's it's just um, ignorance or a lack of understanding. So, yeah, if I can change perceptions just through art and through being positive and having good chats with people and, and just putting it that way... Because, like, my dad's family was from Ireland and my mum's family is Aboriginal. And there's a there's a mix there. What a beautiful mix. Yeah. Irish Aboriginal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's um yeah, crazy. So yeah. Ken Box. <laughs> yeah, fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, yeah, it's um understanding that dad's culture was Irish and they came here and they migrated, so that's a part of that Australian story. Um, the dual, like what I talked about, going to the mission and then growing up in Torquay yeah. and seeing those separate worlds. Yeah. So I've built this, um, I guess, this way of talking to people and being able to understand all these different like worlds and avenues and navigate them and seeing everything. And all right, I, I need to talk to them this way and not have a go at them and just try to put this like view across, but. If they take it, they do. If they don't, they don't. And it's just done with compassion. So, yeah, hopefully one step at a time we can 
get people to, I don't know, not change, but just move forward. Well, it's hard. It is yeah. hard when you look around and you go to, like, Torquay is a pretty chilled place. Yeah. And there's a lot of open-minded people here. Yeah. But you go to a few places not too far away and yeah. thinking gets a little smaller. Yeah. And something. it doesn't take uh, much of a distance no. for that to happen. No. Yep. And then you sort of go, fucking, oh, hold on, I thought we were a bit more evolved than this. Yeah. Yep. But as you say, it's like a bleeding effect. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. If you reach one person, then they talk to someone else, and before you know it, it's, um, yeah, it can spread like wildfire. Yeah. Yeah. Jared, I want to say thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Fun. I appreciate it. No, it's been been awesome. Been so good. Put it here. Thank you. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Jared Black. Jared, thank you once again. Whoever you are out there in the wide world listening in, thank you so much for lending me your ears. I really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had. I, I loved having it. Um, yeah. And wherever this finds you, uh, you know, I hope it finds you with a smile on your dial because. Uh, Fuck it, why not? Why not have a smile on your dial? Because sometimes I know I don't have a fucking smile on my dial, right? And and it always annoys me when I get into those jams where I'm not smiling and I'm like, I'm grinding on shit. And then, you know, it never lasts too long, but then you get to the other side of that and you're like, what the fuck? I was a storm in a teacup. Most things are a storm in a teacup. And then you're dead. All right. Good night. Sweet dreams. No, I'm only joking. Well, then you are. But, like, uh, you know, it's the cycle of life. The cycle of life. Let's plug in and, um, and appreciate the day. All right. Until next time, adios. Adios.